Beathard sets up deep in the pocket. Goes down the field for Smith. Fifty-six yarder. It's got no. Does not have the leg. And Chris Davis takes it in the back of the end zone. He'll run it out to the 10, 15, 20, 25, 30, 35, 40, 45, 50, 45. There goes Davis. Oh my God! Davis is going to run it all the way back. Auburn's going to win the football game. Don't miss a thing from the world of college football. Stay right here for College Gridiron on WFUV Sports. Welcome in to College Gridiron. This week we are officially counting down until the college football playoff. It is less than a week until game the game between Texas and Washington, as well as the game between Michigan and Alabama. However, that has already been discussed a couple of weeks ago, so go check out that episode if you want to hear what we have to say about the college football playoff. This week, we got a bit of an interesting episode. There are some other bowl games we're going to check out. We'll talk about that in a minute. Um, we want to recap a couple of bowl games that just happened, uh, a few exciting ones that aren't as widespread and known. Jacksonville State, Louisiana, and USC Louisville. We'll dive into those in a minute. And then we're going to preview some bowl games between a couple of ranked teams that not everyone is talking about. We're going to look at Missouri, Ohio State, go in and see how Ohio State is going to bounce back from the loss of Kyle McCord. And Georgia, Florida State, and if Florida State can do anything against this Georgia defense with half their team missing. Before we jump in, though, Jack, I'll start with you. How are you doing today? I'm doing good, man. It's always it's always a good uh, it's always a good day to get on Gridiron. It was you and I literally on this show last week doing our uh, our small bowls episode, which I thought ended up being really funny. Um, and it, you know, the night before we were kind of running around with chickens with our heads cut off, thinking like, what do we possibly talk about since they already previewed the CFP? And then we we decide on some small bowls, and it sounds like we're kind of keeping it going this week with with Jack uh, Jayville State and uh and louisiana so which was a great game i'm excited to talk about that but no a lot of good stuff and this is a it's a bomb crew so i'm excited to be here yeah super excited too i mean usually around this type of year i'm not too excited to watch the bowl games and stuff it's kind of like the dark part of college football i feel like you're waiting for playoffs but that was kind of the opposite of what we saw last week two really good games really exciting we got to see new qbs step in and show out and then i'm really excited for these two games coming up too this weekend should be really good ones, ranked matchups, teams that had their um, say, had points for whether they should be in the college football or not. So it'll be interesting to see them play in bowl games this weekend. Indeed it will be. But first, we're going to hop into this Jacksonville State-Louisiana game. Jacksonville State, in their first year, going from FCS to FBS, they take on the Louisiana Raising Cajuns in the RL at Carriers New Orleans Bowl. Jacksonville State takes this one 34 to 31 in overtime, kicking the field goal to win it in overtime. Evan, I'll start with you this time. General thoughts about the game. Do you think Jacksonville State really deserved this win, or do you think Louisiana kind of gifted it to them? Yeah, that's definitely the question here, whether it was a gift or not. 
I, I think it was an earned win in the end. I mean, some really interesting stats. If you just looked at this game at the end, you would think it was a complete blowout, a complete different story. Jack State had 280 more total yards in this game, 200 more rushing yards. I don't know many games that go into overtime when a team has 200 more rushing yards. But I think it really showed you what turnovers can do, especially in college football. I mean, the Cajuns able to have four takeaways, and they were pretty exciting plays to watch, too. They're punching the ball out of the of, uh, ball carrier's hands, tipped interceptions. Really made the game interesting to watch, which is what you need in a bowl weekend. And I thought in the end it was still an impressive W for Jack State. Yeah, I'm going to have to agree. I mean, first of all, when you read the box score of this game, the one the one thing I always like to do when you look at uh, football games on ESPN is they give you like the game cast and it gives you like the scoring summary. And you can always kind of tell the type of game it was just based on reading the lists of, you know, scoring plays one after the other just to kind of see the trends of the game. And this was never, you know, one team's game it was back and forth obviously that those stats that Evan just listed do speak otherwise um but it was just constant back and forth scoring exchanging touchdowns exchanging field goals I think at the at the end of the day the biggest play of the game happened to be the missed field goal in overtime for uh Louisiana sets up Jacksonville State to only need a field goal to win it and speaking of field goals, that's someone who I'd like to highlight. Garrison Rippa, kicker of Jacksonville State. I don't know. I didn't really re- get much of his background story, whether there was an injury or what the case may be that allowed this to happen. But they said that in his he hit a field goal in the third quarter that would be the first field goal of his career, they said. It was his first college field goal. So I'm not sure whether it was an injury that allowed him to step in and play or what the what the case was, but for you to hit your first two field goals of your college career in a bowl game and one of them be the game winner in overtime, I think is a really phenomenal story and it made for a great game. I think there is really one thing that we have to point out here. And Evan, you kind of you kind of got into it a little bit is the four turnovers by Jacksonville State and not just the fact that they were four turnovers. I want to go into the fact that three of them were returned for touchdowns. Louisiana was able to take two picks back to the house and then a, a fumble recovery for a touchdown on one of the first drives on the very first drive of the game. And what, what just sticks out to me is I, it genuinely confuses me how you score 21 points on defense and then still blow the game. Like you, you have to be getting at that point, you have to be getting very minimal from your offense to be able to score 21 from just the defense alone. Score more points from the defense than you did from the offense, and you still lost. I just I think that's crazy. I think that the fact that you have four turnovers, three of them were returned for touchdowns, I'm just so confused how they lost that game. Right, but this defense, this defense did re- recover four turnovers and did – you said, what, it was three of them for touchdowns, correct? Yeah. So, yes, that is impressive. That is – setting up your offense to have minimal responsibility at the same time, they still surrendered 34 points. I mean, it's not, it's not. And now I'm not saying that like there's plenty of, you know, bowl games are usually two good teams put next to each other. So it's not to say that like it's shocking or off putting that, you know, uh, Jacksonville state was able to run up the score a little bit, but it's like, yes, the, the, 
defense for Louisiana, obviously granted opportunities um, and, and sort of provided a sense of security at some times for their offense. But it's also the very reason why Jacksonville state ended up with a higher, you know, a higher score than them. It's, you know, whoever wins is the team with more points at the end of the game and, and, you know, four turnovers or not the defense for Louisiana wasn't able to prevent that. Yeah. It's really interesting when you go back and put it into that perspective, Brennan, especially because if you, you get the interception, let's say or fumble recovery, and then you go score, you're right back on defense. And then when they went right back on defense, they allowed, uh, Jack State to come right down and score on them again, kind of negating the big play they just had, flipping the momentum back. So while the defense did have these big, like Jack said, they had these huge takeaway plays. It was really flashy. But in the end, if you can't play defense right after that, it's like the score is the same. Yeah, I just – the one thing that, that really bothers me is the it's, – it's not the uh, – the defense giving up 34 points. Yes, they did that. They also scored 21. It's the offense that really bothers me of Louisiana. Uh, yeah. When you look at how much time they had to sit on the sidelines and rest, they they were not tired. They were not out of breath. They had plenty of time to recover from drive to drive, and yet they were only able to go out there and put up 10 points. And basically, the offense is what lost them that game, in my, in my opinion. Yeah, I think you definitely have to put most of the blame on the offense. That that I think the, the only thing you could for sure take away from that is that the Louisiana offense was awful there's no no sugarcoating how bad their offense played no there is not and that one jacksonville state 34 louisiana 31 jacksonville state takes the new orleans bowl last night we had a great game between the number 15 ranked louisville cardinals and the usc trojan this usc team had no caleb williams along with over 20 other players out for either transfer portal reasons or opting out for the draft, yet they were still able to go in and take this one from Louisville 42 to 28. I Now, the thing that really struck me about this one, and Jack, I'll start with you this time because I start with Evan last time. Does USC have a bright future after this game? It would appear so. Uh for starters, what a game from, from Miller Moss, 23, I mean, 23 at 33, almost 400 yards passing six touchdowns. Um, Here's the thing. I expect nothing less from a Lincoln Riley coach team. He seems to somehow always have, uh, I guess, sort of the magic touch with quarterbacks. I mean, this is the same guy who, who coached Jalen Hurts, Baker Mayfield, Kyler Murray, all at uh, Oklahoma. He's sending Caleb Williams to the draft right now. We're going to see how that goes, you know, once he gets a year or two under his belt in the pros. But, you know, phenomenal college career for that kid. Um, So, no, I think it's really exciting to see someone who, again, I understand that they're all out there living out their dreams, playing their, you know, playing their favorite sport. But I've always imagined that it couldn't, it can't be the easiest thing to, you know, work so hard and be a world-class athlete at a great, you know, athletic school and be the second pick, you know what I mean? And be the backup quarterback and, and watch, you know, your, your teammate, even though they're all great teammates and, and just want their team to win, it can't be the easiest thing to watch somebody else get what you want. Um, and so I think watching, you know, getting to see Miller step up in a bowl game when honestly they really need him, like you said, over 20 players missing due to, either draft or due to transfer portal. So for him to be able to step up in an opportunity where he's really needed 
um, and and absolutely shine against, by the way, a Louisville defense that they've been prodded on most of the year for having a great defensive unit. So, you know, for for we, all things considered, him stepping up in a position where he's needed after being the second string all year, one, I think he absolutely makes the case. I don't think it's a lock that he's a starter next year. Again, you know, these the amount, the kind of recruits that these schools bring in, um, you never know who's going to cross his path. But at the same time, I think he made an outstanding case to be taken seriously uh, as the starting quarterback next year. And I think, you know, like I said, being being on the bench basically for the entire season and stepping in the last game of the year, the bowl game against a good Louisville defense. I think that this proved to be one of the most, if not the most impressive victory of this bowl season so far. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's Miller time right now. Miller Moss, awesome name, by the way. That's an awesome name for a quarterback. I think he came out and showed everyone that Caleb Williams is a system QB. No, I'm just kidding about that. But, uh, <laughs> but I do like the point you made about uh, Lincoln Riley, and that's that's really what I wanted to talk about here. I mean, not that Miller Moss isn't a, wasn't a top 50 prospect, not that, like you said, I mean, he's a quarterback at USC. He can go out there and get the job done. But I don't think there's a lot of guys could step into a team really – He's played before, but he hasn't thrown over 15 passing attempts in a game. So this is really his first time stepping into a game and go out there and throw six touchdowns against a really good Louisville defense. This team has tried it. They're 14 a lot because of their defense, their ranking coming into this week. So I think that really shows you how Lincoln Riley can make the game comfortable for a quarterback, even a brand new quarterback stepping right in, you know, can give him the plays and the throws he needs to feel comfortable in the game and then excel in the game. You get, you named all these quarterbacks, Jack, that he's improved, who's sent to the draft as the first overall pick. So I think for that question you asked Brennan of whether USC's back or not, I think as long as Lincoln Riley's there, they'll be all right. And, and speaking of Lincoln Riley, I think this, this truly was a, a testament to him. I mean, if you, if you watch that game last night, you hear the announcers over and over say, that this is a one-game season for USC in their final game in the Pac-12 because you have 20 players missing due to transfer portal, opting out for the draft, all that. And then you'll have your incoming transfers and commits, but they're not going to play until next year. So you have this one bowl game against a ranked team with a good defense in Louisville that you are having to turn out anyone who can play. And so you see, you see guys like, I mean, Miller Moss stepped up big time. See guys like Taj Washington step up um, and give Miller Moss a, a, someone to throw to. And you have all these guys that don't don't normally get their get playing time or as much playing time, and they're having to step in and fill these roles of players who are missing because of transfer portal and draft stuff. And so you're turning out a team that is unfamiliar with playing it with each other and doesn't have that same chemistry that your your um, team throughout the season did and so to be able to come out with a team like that and beat a number 15 team in the country in Louisville with a defense so we saw them play Florida State given um, I mean in the ACC championship given Florida State did have a backup quarterback so did USC and USC went out there and dropped 42 on them but you come out and turn out a result like that with a team of players who don't get the snap count that they did that game throughout the whole season, it truly is a testament to what Lincoln Riley is able to do. 
So USC takes that one 42 to 28 in the direct TV holiday bowl. Very exciting win for them. You could hear some of the guys come out afterwards and say that, that was a big one to get. They just wanted to get a win, finish their season off with a win, look into next year. So USC takes down the number 15 Louisville Cardinals. Speaking of ranked teams, we got a couple of matchups we want to look at with ranked teams in them. First one we'll take a look at, number nine, Missouri Tigers, taking the number seven, Ohio State Buckeyes. Ohio State without Kyle McCord. Jack, I know you're a Michigan guy. I know you don't like Ohio State. So you know what? I'll let you go first on this one. What are you looking for in this game from, from both sides, from both Missouri and Ohio State? Missouri to just kick the living. No, I'm just kidding. Um, no, I would say, so I'm going to be honest with you, man. It, it points heavily towards Ohio state in my book. And the, what I think it comes down to is, um, you know, they had the top passing defense in the country and they have the third best rushing defense in the country. That's been, you know, their claim to fame for a majority of the year, you know, Kyle McCord, obviously making his exit, he's transferring to uh, Syracuse. He wasn't like, you know, I'm, I'm not going to be one of those people. You know, I thought he had a lot of hate, a lot of haters. Um, but he had, you know, in, in some of the Ohio State quarterbacks that we've been able to watch over the past few years, he hasn't been the most talented. And I don't, you know, I don't think that that's a detriment to him. I mean, some of the people that, you know, Justin Fields just before him, that's a, those are tough shoes to fill. Um, this this has been a defensive team and they have averaged. Uh, this Ohio State defense has averaged giving up only 11 points a game, which is absurd. And it also means they gave up like 42 to Michigan, I think. So if you take out the Michigan game, I can only imagine what the average would be after that. Um, if Missouri wants a chance in this game, which I do think that they do, this is a great Missouri team this year, 10 and two in the SEC, which is on its own is something to hold your head high about. If uh, Missouri is to win this game. I think it comes down to three players. It's going to come down to Cody Schrader, their running back, Brady Cook, their quarterback, and Luther Bird in the third, their wide receiver, were one of their wide receivers. Those three have been the top, basically the, the holy grail, holy trinity of their offensive performance this year. You got uh, Schrader, who has been absolutely phenomenal in the backfield this year, fit, right around 1,500 yards, 13 touchdowns. And, you know, those three that the majority of their offensive production has run through those three guys. So you got a running back, a quarterback and a wide receiver. You got somebody to initiate the game through the air lead the game through the air. And you got somebody to lead the game on the ground. It's going to come down to those three guys. Cause I think, I think it's going to work in Missouri's favor. I do think that this Ohio state offense is going to, you know, come to play. I, I, I mean, Without Kyle McCord, you're going to have the backup who hasn't played all year. So, again, you, that could work for or against because we did see in the case of USC that that worked out quite well. So um, I do think I, I believe Marvin Harrison is playing in this game, if I'm if I'm not mistaken. So, like I said, I think majority of the factors in this game do point in favor of a Buckeyes victory. But I think there are keys to Missouri, you know, coming out victorious in this one. And it starts with, like I said, Cody Schrader, Brady Cook, and Luther Burden. Yeah, I think it's definitely going to be a really good, really close game. 
We're not sure yet on Marvin Harrison, but I personally don't think he's going to be playing. Um, he hasn't been practicing for the Cotton Bowl practices, so that's the biggest thing for me. Oh, wow. There's kinda, yeah, there's no – well, OSU hasn't released whether he's going to play or not yet, so it's really up to up for grabs. But I, I feel like there's no way he's going to move up or down based on this game, so he's just going to sit it out. But, I mean, he could end up playing. I don't think he will, so I'm going to take that with a grain of salt and say that he, he won't play, which I think – is going to be a huge, huge thing for Mizzou. Obviously, we know who Marvin Harrison is, but the rest of the starters should be playing. Besides, like you said, Kyle McCord, who it's not like you're losing Caleb Williams, losing Kyle McCord. He wasn't a great quarterback. He probably was the weak link of this Ohio State offense. So maybe a guy like Devin Brown stepping in could almost fill the shoes and keep the offense kind of at pace. Maybe not be as good, obviously, without Marvin Harrison. I wouldn't expect it to be as good. But this offense is still going to have Cade Stover, Travion Henderson, Emeka Abuka. I'm excited to see what can, Abuka can do in the number one receiver spot if Harrison ends up not playing a guy who we know should go first round, who would be the number one receiver on a lot of other teams. Uh, so that'll be really exciting to see. But this is a really good Mizzou U team. However, they are missing two big guys on defense. They're missing their second best corner and one of their top linebackers, both with injuries. I think that'll be, play a a pretty big part in this game as well. So I think I'm going to take Ohio State to take it by just a little bit, considering they still have a lot of offensive starters. The big pass catchers are still there, Travion Henderson. And I don't think losing Kyle McCord will be that big of a deal for them. I'm going to be different. I'm going to go ahead and take Missouri. I think the loss of Kyle McCord, although I don't think it's huge, I think it definitely will be an, it will definitely leave an impact considering Devin Brown is very inexperienced, thrown 22 passes over the past two seasons. I think that's going to hurt Ohio State. And then I'm also going to I'm going I'm going to lean into the uh, the trio with with Cody Schrader, Brady Cook, and Luther Burton. I think that they have had a fantastic year in the SEC. I mean, Jackie mentioned it, it's the SEC, and you go 10 and two overall, six and two in conference. That's got to mean something. I mean, I mean, great team. And then I'm going to – I think Missouri is just – they've wowed me one too many times this year to go against them. I think I've never been huge on Missouri this year, and every time I, I pick against them, they they take it personally, and they say, you know what, I heard your pick. We're going to go against you. And so um, they, they come to play every week, and I think they're going to come to play this week against Ohio State. I understand that Ohio State is a great defense, I think Brady Cook, between his his rushing and his passing ability, I think he will be able to take the Ohio State defense down. I think it'll be a low-scoring game, a close one, but I'm going to go with Missouri to take this one. Um, it's actually their first New Year's Six Bowl game during the 14 college football playoff era. I think they're going to they're gonna want to do something with that. I mean, it's the end of the the fourteen college football playoff. I think they're going to want to get one in. Um, I don't think it's going to be a huge motivating factor, but I'm gonna I'm gonna ride with Missouri on this one to take oh to beat Ohio State, and I I think you'll be pleased with that, Jeff. You may not agree with it, but I I think you'll be happy. Well, with no, yeah, no, I'm I'm absolutely pleased with it. I mean, I, I, I we can only we can only hope that that's how the game turns out. I I definitely respect the pick. Yeah, I don't, I don't hate the pick at all. I also think Mizzou wants this game more. I mean, Ohio State's kind of just upset they weren't in the college football playoff. They've been in bowl games before. 
this is a historic season for Missouri. I think they really want to cap it off with how good Jack was saying they've been in the SEC this year, 10 and two. They, they want to finish the season on a high note, a little bit more than Ohio state. I feel like. The one thing I will say that's really funny was I went to the Heisman trophy ceremony for WFUV. And when they asked, um, because Michael Penix was the only guy of the four, like playing in the college football playoff. Mm -hmm. And so they asked all of the guys, like, since you spent time with him, are you going to be rooting for Washington in the college football playoff? And they were all answering. They all gave like very polite answers. None of them really said like, yes, they were all like, (laughs) they were all like, we really hope he plays well. Um, Like he, Bo Nix played against him in the PAC 12 and got beat by him two times. Like he's not going to say go Washington. So it was like a really funny question. But anyway, when they got to Marvin, um, he was like, um, they asked him, are you rooting for Michael Penix? And he was like, well, if he plays against a certain team, I'll, I'll, I'll root for him. And he was, he was, he was subliminally talking about Michigan. I thought it was a really funny response to the question. Yeah, that's good. The media trained answers. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Number nine, Missouri. We'll take on the number seven, Ohio State Buckeyes in the Cotton Bowl on the 29th. That is tomorrow night at 7 p.m. One last game I want to dive into. And it's it's not as much the game. We'll we'll look a little bit into the game, but there was was a quote that came out today um, from the Florida State players that I want to kind of look into after after we preview the game but it's going to be the georgia florida state game georgia and florida state the five and six ranked teams in the country playing in the orange bowl um and this one not even looking like it's going to be close florida state is missing a bunch of key players on offense including jordan travis due to his injury tate rotemaker is entering the transfer portal so they're, they're on their third string quarterback already and then you go without three of your top receivers, including Keon Coleman, and without your starting running back. It's not honestly going to be much of a game, but it is the five and the six seed. So I feel like we, we it, out of respect, we have to take a look at this one. Um, I, I'll start with you, Evan. What are we looking for out of Georgia to kind of end the season on a good note and go into next season um prepared to win the sec well they got the spread at plus 20 right now for florida state which is exciting, which is something you don't usually see for a bowl game but i think if you're georgia you're only seeing this as a good thing if you take that spread because like you said the, the people out for fsu are all the guys they need to play in this game they're missing 26 touchdowns not having keon coleman and trey benson who accounted for 26 touchdowns in the season so far so they, they really just don't have the horses to go out there and win this game against a bulldog team. That's won 45 of their last 47 games. The only guy they might be missing is Brock Bowers, which is, that's not a, that's not a little feat. It's Brock Bowers, but they should have Lad McConkey back a guy who they haven't had for a little bit of the season with their top receiver receiving option after Brock Bowers and the rest of their team should be fully healthy. We know this team, I mean, is going to come to play. They are very unhappy that they were not in the college football playoff, probably the most, I don't know if you guys saw the um, the college football meeting. It was a Zoom meeting where they had Florida State and Georgia. They had the two coaches. Kirby Smart was there. And the Georgia head coach is, like, sitting, like, with his phone, like, underneath him. Like, he clearly does not care about the call. Like, he's, like, doing other things during the call. And the Florida State coach is sitting with, like, his trophy case and everything. It's, like, a huge deal for him to be in that bowl game, you know. So 
I, I think Kirby Smart really wants to go out there and show that the Bulldogs should have been in the playoff. They obviously shouldn't have been because of that last game, but that they had the talent to be in the playoff by destroying Florida State in this game. Yeah, look, I can't say anything different. I, I absolutely think that Florida State is going to get smacked. The only way, and I mean the only way, and I wouldn't put the marble, I wouldn't put any too many marbles on this happening, but the only way that Florida State wins this game is by way of their defense. I don't think that with the, you know, with the absence of Jordan Travis, which is the elephant in the room, he's been hurt for weeks now. But between that, between the other absences that they have from their offense, I just you can't make the expectation that this is going to be a highly productive offensive game from Florida State um, or that they're going to do much to uh, tamper with the success of this Georgia defense this year. Um, but, yeah, if, if this win, if, if this were to somehow go Florida State's way, it's going to be a defensive win, which even that is going to be difficult because Georgia has been a team that's been able to score um, and they're they're just a hard nosed SEC football team that, as Evan mentioned, is heading in pissed off about, you know, being left out of the college football playoff. So I'm a little bummed because, like, I feel like a five versus six game should be better than this. And when we haven't gotten the game yet, so you never know. And I'm also bummed because, look, I was one of those people that was seeing red when Florida State was left out of the college football playoff. Um, and I do want the rec, let the, let it be known, let it be known. Even if Florida state gets whomped by 60 in this game, I still maintain that they should have been in the college football playoff. I don't, I would have, you know what? Like, I understand, like, I agreed with the people when they said that we're being, we are being given better football games with them, not in the college football playoff. Um, and I'm not going to go on too long for this because I know this is a debate that happened three weeks ago when the decision was made. But I just want to say that, yes, I acknowledge I fully I will give it to you. I acknowledge we are being given better college football playoff games without Florida State in it. That doesn't mean it's right. That doesn't mean that they didn't earn a spot. That doesn't mean that they didn't do everything that was asked of them this season. They went undefeated. They won their conference title. I don't know what else you're supposed to do as a college football team. But nevertheless, um, I do think the road ends here. <laughs> got to move to the SEC. That's what they got to do. Now. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> We've previewed the game. It's not going to be much of a game. Real quickly before we end the show today, I just want to kind of look at this this quote from uh, actually from Brock, Brock Glenn, who's going to be the starting quarterback for Florida State, who said the Seminoles should absolutely be considered national champions if they end the season as the only undefeated Power 5 team in college football. And and I we just heard your take on the playoff, Jack. I, real quickly, I just want to hear you guys' take. Do you agree with that or no? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. I, like, they, they may – I you know, most people have been arguing for them to – anyone who argued in defense of them, argued that they should be in the college football playoff. They didn't argue that they were going to win the college football playoff. They didn't argue any of that. And I also just said, I'm not saying that I speak for the masses, but I also just said a few minutes ago, like I, uh, I agree that they should be in the CFP. And I also think that we're getting way better games because they're not in the CFP. Um, That's just like an absurd statement, especially considering there's an undefeated 
there's an undefeated team in Washington and Michigan. There's two undefeated teams that they still need to win. They still need to win two more games against the other best, you know, the best other three teams in the nation before they get that title. So that's just a little too ambitious for my liking a little too much. I think they're biting off more than they can chew there. I, it would be fun to see them finish undefeated. And I think it may make the whole, if they were to miraculously beat Georgia, I think it would make the exclusion from the CFP more frustrating. I'll give them that, but that is just an absurd statement. Yeah, that is absurd. I, I know he used the word if we are the, the only undefeated team, but he is worried about the wrong thing. I'd be worried about the butt whipping that the Bulldogs are about to give you if you're Brockland <laughs> rather than being worried about what people think of your team uh, after the season's over. I mean, he should definitely be way more focused on being a 20 point underdog in order to being undefeated to even be able to say that or have that than to go out and say it before the game starts. I, I can't believe he said that at, especially before the game even started. And I mean, that's the reason we have a college football playoff is so that we have a real national champion. We have an assigned national champion that went through the playoffs. Yes. I feel bad for them. I agree with you, Jack, that, they did all they could. They should be in the playoff. And I don't think this game should have any implication on whether they should or should not have been in the playoff because these four players, their four best offensive players, would have played if it was a playoff game. So it's going to be a totally different game. They're not playing because it's a bowl game. So I, I agree that it's absurd. <laughs> and I, I can't believe he's not more worried about playing the Bulldogs this week than worried about the outcome of the game and what people think about Florida State as a team afterwards. A ridiculous quote by by third string quarterback for Florida State, now starting quarterback Brock Glenn, <laughs> and that will unfortunately do it for us today from College Gridiron. <laughs> Bobby Tavardini is a sports director at WFUV. From Brendan Shorey, Jack Warner, and Evan Harkin. So long. Make sure to tune in next week. The countdown to the college football playoffs is coming to an end. College Gridiron is a production of WFUB Sports.